quite as much as I have got to enjoy studying it, uh, but I've seen uh, a lot of different things, and when I've been studying some of the things in the book of Galatians, uh, I didn't really realize it till after I'd started into it that there's actually quite a often book that's preached through, and uh, some of the different ideas and some of the different concepts is pretty interesting that people hit. Uh, but we want to spend some time in Galatians chapter 3, uh, which we've got to. And You know, throughout the book of Galatians, there is a common theme. Obviously, if you've, if you've listened, which is okay if you ain't, but if you've listened, uh, uh, there's a lot of legalism that goes on at the church of Galatia. And today, I want you to realize that I have been very guilty of legalism. I have. I know if you've probably been in church very long, you've heard legalism. Uh, preach, thought, talk. That's why we have so many denominations. That's why we have so many uh, groupings of beliefs. It's legalism. Like they follow a certain set of guidelines. And, uh, and we start off with the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1, and that first two words there, first three words there, should be a very wake-up call to most Christians that are very legalistic in what Paul says to them. And if we'll stand... When we read Galatians 3, we'll read quite a few verses, but we'll try to do it quick. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye have, that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, Received ye the, the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that ye that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So, th so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And in verse 14 it says, That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for allowing us to assemble. We thank You for Your, your grace, Your mercy. We thank You for the Spirit, Lord. And we thank You for that Spirit that's here this morning. We pray we will obey You in all things, that You'll help us to understand the Scriptures this morning, that You'll help expound it, Lord. And I, I pray that we do all things in accordance to Thy will. Lord, hide us behind the cross. Use us as a willing vessel. Anoint these unclean lips that may preach forth the true and living Savior. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. You can be uh, seated this morning now. Uh, kind of like what I've said uh, before we started, 
uh, we're addressing the legalistic attitudes of what's going on. The Judaizers were in this group of people teaching that you have to have Jesus and you have to have Old Testament law. And beyond anything, we can kind of understand when Paul is writing these, this letter here, he's hitting certain points. And we've seen Paul give a greeting. He's give a greeting of, hey, uh, there's a problem within the church. Uh, I am. Uh, I got this group of people around me that support me. I went to Jerusalem. Uh, Peter has confirmed who I am, what I preach. And he even follows it up with, and Peter... Uh, wasn't even falling right and I had to call him out. He's trying to expound on 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 grace and on faith alone. And we get to this this next chapter after he's kind of explained all that. And he says that, oh ye foolish, he, he's talking to these people that had deserted the faith. In so many ways, yes, they accepted being a saved. They accepted salvation as a free gift, as grace. But then after they accepted it, they changed. Uh, they had started following something else. Uh, they had grown and been so powerful of a church, and, and then they've dwindled into following something else. They went on and said, well, we've got Jesus, but we're going to make this better. And they followed this. And I want you to know something. There's not a whole lot of churches that ain't had some sort of point in their, in their life of a church that they've done this. That they've said, well, uh, it takes the, the, the grace of Jesus, but we're going to add a little bit of this onto it because we like this better. This, this sounds good. And I'm not trying to pinpoint something that we do or, or pinpoint something another church does. But I think that almost every church is guilty of this. We've seen churches do so well, uh, do kind of bad. Do well, do kind of bad. We've seen churches grow to certain huge status quo. Uh, and you can look back in the 80s and the 90s and see these churches grow. And a lot of them are gone. And they go up and they go down. They go up and they go down. And I've seen churches fail and get sold and other churches take over. There's nothing wrong with that, but we see that going on, and you wonder how those things happen. And I would say that the majority of the time, a lot of it is preaching Jesus and focusing on Jesus, and then they're focusing on other things. They're spending time on other things. And we see that the church at Galatia here, Paul's trying to help the church at Galatia, okay? Every letter that Paul writes, even though he's kind of ugly sometimes, even though he says things the church don't like, even though he did this very rough confrontation in the last chapter with Peter in front of everybody, he's doing it to help the church. And no doubt, uh, we see that Paul here is a different guy. Okay, He was struck blind on the road to Damascus. I've already covered this. He had something completely different happen in his life that nobody else experienced. And sometimes we look at those people, we have a different opinion of those people, but when he's writing this and addressing the Galatian church here, he's talking about the desertion. Uh, when we get to chapter 3, these people have deserted what's going on. And I can't think of a whole lot of things that are worse in a church than people that have followed Jesus Christ and then deserted it. People that have followed Jesus and said, well, that wasn't good enough, I'm going to follow something else. And there ain't a whole lot worse, and it doesn't address it, but a Christian that just falls out of church. and that, that, I'm not calling them out and saying that that's bad. I'm saying that it's bad for the whole gospel of Jesus Christ that those people fell out of church and fell away from grace. That it takes something else. And you may know somebody, you, we may have people in this church that's been members and, and went away and fell away from the faith. And I'm not saying those people are bad. I'm just saying that whole situation is bad. Because it's bad for the people that follow Jesus. It's bad for the people within the church. It's bad for the people outside of the church that see people that are walking away from the faith. It is just bad. 
Overall, it's bad for that person, it's bad for the church, it's bad for the world because they are all brought down because of what's going on. Those people leaving the faith, these people in Galatia taking the full gospel and grace of Jesus Christ and leaving it and saying that it need, they need something else, following a false form of Christianity and saying that that's an improvement is worthless. It's a counterfeit. And they ran so well, and they were doing so good, and I believe the church at Galatia, I'm going to step over and close it. The whole church at Galatia was doing so good, but eventually they fell off the tracks. So many times we see, once again, churches that do so well, uh, things that do so well, families that do so well, and then eventually they fall off the tracks. They allow themselves to be pulled away from the truth, uh, and they receive the gospel of grace through faith, uh, and then fall for some form of legalism. I've done that. I, I don't know if y'all realized it in your own lives, but I have done that. I've accepted grace and then backed up and said, well, I need a dress in my church attire when I go to church. That's, that's legalism. I don't know if y'all realize that. That's legalism. I need to uh, uh, be, uh, had to have my, my hair cut a certain way. That's legalism. Oh, I have to do this. Well, the church has to be a certain color inside. <laughs> it's legalism. And I have fallen by that. And I am guilty as all get out, church. We don't have to say that we're not. I'm guilty. I expect certain things. I look for certain things. I'm 34 years old, and I'm so glad that I have come at this very young age. I hope I live a lot longer. But very young age, I've realized my legalistic wrong opinions that I have suffered through throughout the years. I have received grace. And I want you to know these, these false systems, they, they promise more, but they always give you less. They do. If I'm looking for more, I'm going to get less. If I'm looking for certain things, I'm going to get less. I used to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay some of my things out to you this morning, church. I used to look for churches that had a preacher that preached a certain way, and I know that that's wrong now. I, I used to look for, for, for singers that sang a certain way, and I know that that's wrong now. I used to look for, for pews instead of chairs, and I know that's wrong now, okay? I, I look for solid wood pulpits, and I know that's wrong now. I don't have to sugarcoat anything that I had an opinion about. I was legalistic. Now, that's legalism a little different than what we're looking at, but it's still legalism. When people show up to a church, I was talking to a guy one time who went to a church. It was a church he went to years ago, and he went to the church. He was telling me about it. He said, yeah, I went and visited so-and-so church because our church was doing something. And I got there, and he was acting like this was real shameful. And I want you to realize, this is legalism. He said, I couldn't tell who the preacher was. He just blended in with the crowd. I said, what, is, what, what does that matter? And that's... That's, that should be comical to us, church. That shouldn't, that shouldn't be something. Yeah, you should be able to tell the preacher from everybody. No. You, should be, you shouldn't be able to. Uh, the, tree, <laughs> the preacher doesn't have to dress in a, a white dress shirt, short sleeves, and dress pants when he comes to visit you. Oh, my goodness, the legalism, the attitude that we have. We in the South, trust me, we we real serious about some of this legalism. And the church at Galatia is no different. They're very legalistic on how they're looking at this because then they're adding to the gospel. They're saying we have to have Jesus and we have to also have the law. And there's always somebody somewhere that thinks they have a better way that the gospel works. You do. Trust me. You think that your idea of the gospel 
is probably better than my idea of the gospel. And we have opinions. And this church thinks they're better than that church. And this community thinks it's better than that community. And my goodness, uh, he poses a rhetorical question when he asked this. I don't know if y'all understand rhetorical questions, but it's a question that you ask and you ain't really expecting an answer because the answer is kind of (laughs) understood. When he questions the church, are you going to be saved by faith and turn back over to the law? He wasn't expecting an answer when he, when he writes this in this letter. He's posting a question that's so obvious, it's almost like when my mama comes by and says, is that your socks? She ain't asked me to say, yeah. She's telling me to pick them up. <laughs> and my wife says, Zach, is this your keys? Or is this your stuff? Or is this your stuff laying around? Zach, is this? She ain't asked me to answer. She's asked me to do something. It's rhetorical. Some of y'all look around and ask different people, yeah, this is rhetorical. He just defined it for you. Everybody knows what rhetorical is. Y'all ain't got to answer every question, okay? When he's writing this church, he ain't expecting no answer. He ain't answering a, a yes or a no. And in certain ways, they were bewitched. There's a word here used in the scripture that is biscano in the Greek. It means to charm you. And it's to charm you with an evil eye is what the Greek means. So they had came in and they had been charmed by false teachers. They had had arguments and just as a magician uses illusions and trickery uh, uh, to make you think that something has happened. And by trickery, they make you think that they have some type of power. They do. That's what a magician does. And they give you these illusions. They may cut a woman in half and, and put her back together and she's unharmed. But in reality, it never happened. The churches are just as, as, as open to this type of problems they may have now. They have magicians up on stage, but they give you an illusion that they can do certain things beyond what Scripture shows. They pull a rabbit out of a hat. These teachers at Galatia, they had given them a false illusion of a false gospel that these works were better than faith. That's what had happened. Works will get you there better than faith. And we have to look at the law versus faith. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing what you heard? Is what Paul tells the church. Did you get saved because of what you believed? Or did you get saved because you followed a law? I'm glad today that I did not get saved by following a law. I did not accept Jesus Christ by following a law or saying a certain series of things. I I did not receive Jesus Christ. Now, very interestingly, I got saved uh, standing next to a Gideon leaving the doors of a church, and he read a prayer out of the back of a little Gideon Bible. I said it with him, but I want you to know something. It really wasn't what I said at that moment. It was my faith in Jesus Christ that saved me. It was me stopping and me even lying to the guy when he asked me, are you saved? And I said, yeah, just to try to get by him. And he said, excuse me, like he didn't hear me. I know what he was doing. He knew that I had something in my life, something in my heart that I needed to fix that day. And I accepted Jesus Christ through faith. At that point in my life, I needed Jesus. And I received this Holy Spirit by faith, so why would I go to the law? Why would I back up? Why would I, why would I go back, backwards? It'd be like some, some people kind of joke around about 
of vehicles today, but I don't believe nobody wants to drive a, a car every day that's got points under the hood. And if you don't know what points is, you're blessed to not know what points are on a car that you have to fix and, and get just right and work on all the time. And I don't believe everybody wants to drive a three-speed on a column every day going to work. We've got automatic transmissions, and my goodness, ain't that wonderful that we've got spark plugs and, and automatic. I'm, I'm talking automotive style, but you, it's a lot better than it was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. You say, them, them vehicles are better. No, they're not. <laughs> they're junk. Had to work on them all the time. You can buy about anything you want to. We, you don't want to back up and go backward. You've got something that's so wonderful. So, and that's what we've got. We've got Jesus that is way better than the law ever was. Way better than the law ever was. And Paul is saying to the church at Galatians, you've got something way better that you took to begin with and I've taught you that I've instituted that we know works that His grace that He loves you. And you've backed up and took something else. I'm not going to drive a three-speed on a column on a, and points under the hood and drive it every day to work. That'd be crazy. Why would I want to do that? We want to back up sometimes. And salvation does not require observing the law. Salvation simply requires believing what you heard. That's it. It requires believing the gospel of Jesus Christ believing that Jesus died for you and paid for your sins and believing that He rose again on the third day and that He is Lord. That's all it takes. Say, Zach, no, it takes something. Nope. It, it takes this. It takes believing. Jack, Zach, it, it takes baptism too. No, it, it doesn't say that. Zach, it takes a, a joining a church. It doesn't say that. Zach, it takes a giving to the church. It doesn't say that. Zach, it takes something else. It doesn't say that. It says belief in Jesus Christ will save you. And that's what Paul is trying to get across uh, to the church here. You have to look at a spirit effort versus a human effort. And after the beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? That's what Paul is trying to say. After you've done this, you've started with the spirit, are you trying to attain your goal by human effort? After starting out your Christian growth by the power of the Holy Spirit, are you going to push Him aside and try to earn it on your own. A lot of people have the belief that we keep our salvation by being good. That doesn't work neither. I hadn't found that a whole lot in Scripture. We, we can get saved and we have to continuously be good the rest of our lives. I haven't really found that in Scripture. It says to believe in Him. It would be a, a lumberjack was hired and he brought in, he knows how to use a chainsaw and he knows how to do everything and he brings in a pocket knife to cut down a tree. That's what the church had become. The church had been something that had the tools that perfectly worked and no different than old, old Samson had the jawbone of a donkey and slew a thousand Philistines. And it says in the Scripture that he threw it aside. He took something that worked, got rid of it. Why do we as a church, why do we as Christians do that? I am guilty of that. I know what works. I know very plainly that the Spirit of Jesus Christ is all that the church needs. All that we need is Jesus. All that we need is His teachings. All that we need is faith. And I think sometimes we need something else. It isn't. Our spiritual growth is not determined by following special rules. It's not. Now, after starting out as a Christian, we're going to push Him aside. We think that we can do it on our own. And the Galatians had taken the same step. They had stepped backwards. And we grow spiritually. Why? Because God works in us. We grow spiritually because God is working 
within us. And our spiritual growth isn't affected by special rules. And in verse 4, he calls out that has Christ worked for nothing? Have you suffered so much for nothing? Was it really for nothing? Have you paid a price for receiving the gospel? And they had orchestrated, uh, ostracized, excuse me, from the family and society. They had been get, had given up on old habits. They had given up their old ways of life. They had suffered for the cause of Christ. And Paul says this, did you do it for nothing? Did we do it for nothing? I hope that if we've assembled today, that we've, we've done away with our old lives, we've done away with our old habits, we've turned a backside to sin, and we said we're going to try to stay away from it as much as we can, we're going to live a better life, a holy life, and we're going to get closer to God. Did you do it for nothing? That's what he's asking the church at Galatia. You, you guys had it right, and you've done it for nothing now, because you're wrong. You're following law. And he questions miracles in verse 5. Does God give you this spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Does he work wonderful things in your life because you followed a law? Paul, it's once again, it's rhetorical. He ain't expected no answer. It's real obvious. Did you follow the spirit and then back up? Does God give you a miracle because you followed the law? Did you receive miracles because of your works? And he uses Abraham as an example. The Judaizers claimed that the Old Testament was on their side. These people stepped up and said, yes, in the Old Testament we look at Moses, we look at uh, these different uh, uh, figures, and we look at Abraham, the father of our faith, and how was Abraham justified? And the answer was plainly in agreement with Paul's teachings. It was. I don't believe the Judaizers really expected it or thought of it, uh, but the answer was very plain. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, And he believed in the Lord. He's talking about Abraham. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Did y'all hear that? He believed in the Lord and he counted it for righteousness. Abraham had faith and it made him justified. He says, Zach, Abraham was circumcised. He was one of God's... No. This three chapters later before Abraham receives a circumcision. He had already been justified only, only by faith. And that's it. And that's all it took, and that's all Paul's trying to get across to these people through Moses' writings. Consider Abraham. It was plainly, plainly in agreement. He was accepted by God as righteous, and Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. How could the Judaizers insist that you had to be circumcised? Abraham wasn't before. He was already accepted by God. Could they really link this together? And he's trying to link the past to the present, and Paul linked it that way, declaring that we are saved the same way that Abraham is. The father of the Jewish faith. The, the father, uh, the, great, the grandfather of the Jews. After understand, even he was saved the same way. Yeah, he followed the law. Yeah, he got the law. Yeah, he did certain things. But Abraham was saved by faith. And the day we are saved the same way. The righteous are declared by faith. This is what God was referring to in Genesis 12, 3, when He said that all nations would be blessed through Abraham. It wasn't because of the Jewish people. The whole world would be blessed through Abraham because of his faith, because of his belief, because of who he accepted as king. And then we have, in verses 10 through 14, we have a redemption. 
All who rely on the law are cursed. The law is a monolith. The law is nothing. It is unified standard. If you break one part of it, the Word of God says that you, you break one part, you're guilty of all of them. As we try to follow the law, we try to live under this law, we live under a curse, and the Judaizers believe that Christ only helps you get to that point. Christ will help you be sinless. Christ will help you follow the commandments. I've heard that in churches. Christ will help you get to this point. Christ doesn't have to help you get to any point. Because Christ died, He sealed the deal, and He died on the cross so that I could be saved. And that's it. He isn't no stepping stone. He is not assistance to get to that certain point. Christ was there to redeem us, to love us, and the Judaizers believed that Christ only helped the person get there, and Paul shows them that that is insufficient. That does not work. No one could keep the whole law, and all who attempted it are cursed. If you're attempting to follow, if you think that you are living good enough this morning, I want you. it doesn't matter who you are, if you think you're living good enough to get to heaven, you're wrong. I've realized that a long time ago. And I'm saved by God's grace. And I know weekly, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I do not. Because I fall short. I sin. I don't follow the law completely. And I know that I fall short. And Christ accepts the curse of the law on behalf of those who have faith. Son, go down there and sit with your mama before I get you. He accepts the, Christ, he accepts the curse of the law. In effect, Christ removes the Mosaic Covenant I'll get him after church. In effect, Christ removes this covenant. He brings a new covenant, and the old covenant of Moses carried the death of a, carried the curse of death, and Christ's payment took the curse upon himself. Christ said, I'm going to take this curse. I'm going to die on a cross. We covered it last week, all those scriptures that says you, you need to die. You should die. If you do this, you should die. If your family member comes to you and wants to do something else, kill them. They should die. Boy, I'm glad I don't have to follow that law. Christ died in place of that law. Christ was crucified and that old covenant has went away. Christ's payment took that curse and the new covenant of Christ carries blessings through Abraham. Why? Because it took Abraham's belief. I'm glad that that curse was removed and it was necessary before the blessings of Jesus Christ came. As they get a verse of some song ready this morning, I'm glad that these blessings here that were made prior to the law, the, uh, these, these, these different curses, these different laws, these certain uh, things that we had to follow, certain things you had to do, they're gone. They are no more. We don't have to make up a set of rules. We don't have to do anything else. There's a lot of churches, you walk in and you find a cross, and buddy, that's it. It's not a whole lot of the Ten Commandments. It's not a, a certain line of beliefs. It's not a certain rules, list to follow. And I heard somebody joke one time when you walk into a lot of churches and the first thing you'll get is a big list of rules. <laughs> and I said, I've never really thought about that. You get a big list of rules you have to follow. I'm glad the only rule is believe in Jesus. The Bible clearly shows us that we've got two great commandments, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second rule is to love thy neighbor as thyself. All these fall in line, uh, fall in line with the law. We will fulfill everything, okay, by loving each other. Paul tells us that's all it takes. We have to have grace. We have to have the Spirit. We have to believe. Do we believe this morning? Do we believe that's sufficient? Do we believe that's all it takes? And it is all it takes. As we sing, what page you got?